Here we are, Reaction Brats, new episode. I'm David. I'm Robin. And Robin. Yes, David. We have a very special guest. We do have a special guest. We have Tom Flood with us today. Hi, Tom. Hello. Oh. And was that, is that clapping? Yeah. That's <laughs> Thank cool you for clapping. that. That's the wow, yeah. greatest applause I've ever got. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should edit some real, some real applause in there. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Tom is our friend and the first guest on Reaction Brats, which is kind of fun. This is amazing. Thanks for, for having me here. Oh, Feel thanks for coming. Honored. Tom and I met about a year ago, like almost to the day a year ago, which is a bit crazy. Is that right? Yeah. So Jamie and I were at the Capitol, which is our neighborhood pub, I guess, our, our local watering hole. I it's don't your, know. It was Yeah, it's your local. Yeah, it's our local. We're regulars there. It had actually been a day of day drinking. I think the Capitol was maybe our third stop, and it was going to be our final stop. We were not moving on after the Capitol. <laughs> and then we were sitting at the bar, and then Tom came and sat... He just happened to sit down next to us, and you were wearing a Jesus and Mary chain shirt. And I said, hey, cool shirt. <laughs> that's right. And then we just started chatting. That, that's right. That's mm-hmm. exactly. I, I remember it very clearly. I, again, the Capitol is such a great place, and it's the kind of place where I, well, I guess maybe like many bars, I, I don't mind sitting down having a pint by myself and enjoying a beverage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was, that, was, that was our first intro was around the Jesus and Mary chain. Yeah. And, hey, and when cool someone, shirt. Yeah, when anyone mm-hmm. says that, then that's... You know, yeah. Let's talk. But then from there, so we just kind of hung out with you yeah. that night at the Capitol, and then you said you were going to the Casbah that night for risky business, eighties right. night, and that's when we were like, "We'll go too." Yeah. <laughs> Although, as I said, the Capitol was going to be our last stop. Of like, course, we were it like, was. This yeah. is our like, we're going home after. It was this. six p.m. at the Capitol. Done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how I party. Over yeah, and yeah. done. You know. That's right. But then we ended up going to the Casbah for eighties night. We met you guys there. Yeah. And then that's when I met. Old Dave over here, Well, that was the night too. that you met up with me again. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So who knows if I hadn't met Tom at the cab. You know, I don't want to say. But, and then you know. gone to, because there was no way I was going out that night. Yeah. Yeah. Serendipity. Mm-hmm. So it's it very best. appropriate that Tom is our first guest. I think so, too. And around home. this time, like I said, it's almost a year to the day. That was the July Risky Business. So yeah. it's like the first Saturday in July. That's pretty much now. Mm-hmm. Isn't it that really crazy? is, yeah. Wow. Crazy. What a difference a year. Is that one year? One year, yeah. Wow. And so, but then after getting to know Tom, it was more so the um, Stone Roses. When we started this podcast and we started talking about, like, would we have guests on? Once I got to know Tom a little better and you're like, I guess specifically your Instagram account, right? And, right. and what you were posting, what I was posting, it was so very similar with our music taste. Oh my God, Robin. <laughs> totally. Right? And yeah. so I was like, I think we need to have Tom on. I think we could have some good conversations. And here I, we are. I, yeah, I really noticed that as well. It's mm-hmm. pretty funny. It's like, mm-hmm. Wait a second, that's my record. Yeah. Are we the same person? <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. happening here? What? Uh, well, what's some of the music you guys have in common? Like, what did you bond on over social media? I, you know, It's hard to remember because there's so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will talk recently is that I bought an adorable record like a few months ago from Into the Abyss. And then I saw that you got the same adorable, which yeah. is an album we both love, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. Yep. And it's always funny when you see, I don't know, a record that's not super popular, really, in kind of the mainstream world, when someone else picks it up and is super excited about it. So I think I messaged mm-hmm. you right. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. That's a good example yeah, of something that's sure. kind of random. And and like the Stone Roses, for sure. Yeah. And um, like, I feel like everything, like every time Tom posts a picture, I'm like, cool shirt. Like he's got like a Smith shirt on or a Jesus and Mary chain shirt on or... Um, kind of a lot of 80s indie yeah. Britpop kind of 
stuff. Well, Tom, if you don't mind me asking, what? How old are you approximately? Do you want to give your age? approximately? Oh. Like, give You're us an do ish. This to me. <laughs> <laughs> Around forty-ish. Okay, us too. So we're all in the same ballpark as far as like the music that we connect. We to. We grew and, up listening. Yeah, to we're them. all CFNY one hundred two point one listening yeah. type folk yeah. back in the day. So yeah, it makes sense that we're all in the same wheelhouse when it comes to this kind of music. Mm-hmm. Um, My question first to, to Robin is, what was that record that kind of changed, like that? moment that changed from you know i'm listening to whatever am top 640 680 whatever it was at the time to oh there's more right that's a really good question and i feel like there's probably a few for me it would be morrissey would be the first and it would be bone a drag i think would be the first record that i would have listened to that i thought holy shit like there's this is like nothing I've ever heard before and I've never loved something so much and I've never felt anything so personally, you know, than than him for sure. Do you remember how you found it? There was, let me think. When would I have first heard it? It actually leads into part of like Jesus and Mary Chain and, and Stone Roses. When I was 14, there was, I had a friend, Heather, uh, still have a friend, Heather. She's been my friend since I was born. And her friend, Kim. So I don't know her anymore. But like when I was 14, I knew her. And it was the first time that we were like, I was going in cars with friends who were driving. Right, right. You know, like I was like at that age where I had like my first taste of freedom. And she would play like Jesus Mary Chain and Stone Roses and Morrissey. She must be like a year or two older than me while she was driving. So that would be the first time that and I was just like, give me more. Give me more. Like I can't. Right. And I'm still like that. I'm still obsessive about music that I'm into. And yeah. the first time I hear a song that I love, I don't hear it once. I hear it like 5,000 times yeah. on repeat, you yeah. know? So I'd say that was probably the first. That was the first time I got into any of that kind of stuff that was like still the same that I'm listening to now. But yeah, yeah that was it. How about you? <laughs> yes. So I, it, I ask that question all the time and, and I'm truly interested in the answer because mm-hmm. it's such a pivotal moment for so many totally. people, in, including myself. I know for for a fact I had a Paula Abdul record and I loved it. I think it was Forever Your Girl. And I still like it. I th- if I heard it, I'd probably really... S- I could still sing straight up, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, me too. <laughs> so could I. But I remember... I, it's always... Someone feeds you music. Or unless you're a super cool 10-year-old. <laughs> Sure. Maybe you found your own way. Yeah. Maybe maybe like Morrissey did. Maybe. But outside of that, people feed you people feed music. So I had a brother-in-law who's my brother-in-law now, but my sister has been dating him for as long as I've known him now. Wow. Um, so when I was, I guess, 11 or 12, and pretty sure I was listening to something top, very top 40-ish, and then I got handed a copy of, of Psycho Candy, and it wasn't 1985, but it was later on. And that was just the game-changing Life-changing. moment for me. Wow. I remember just him saying, you should probably listen to this. And I was like, it just <laughs> looks... Well. It just looks so cool, and it's just I, like I'm looking at the record now as we're we're speaking on this podcast, and that image is like so burned on my brain. As it's, it's weird that music has such a powerful hold over me, and that record still to this day, like mm-hmm. you know, 30 years later. And would it have been vinyl? No, it was it was a CD. A CD it, it was yeah. definitely a CD. <laughs> And I, yeah, I just hearing that loud noise was just was everything. And it's, it seems cliche thing to say about that band, because there's so much more we could talk about. If you're mm-hmm. a fan, obviously, Robin, mm-hmm. you know how much more there is to that band. But as a first um, introduction and experience, it was everything I loved about music that I didn't know I love about music that I that I right. found out I did. So when we asked Tom to come on the show, I had in, in mind that I wanted to talk about the first Stone Roses record, because as I said, that was something that I knew that we both loved and would be really fun to talk about. And then in speaking to Tom about the show and like I 
said, give us a list. And so from that, we've picked Jesus and Mary Chain Psycho Candy and The Strokes is the set. So we're going to start with Jesus and Mary Chain. To kind of pick up from before is that that was the record that was first handed to me in my introduction into um, into this band. And again, I'm just staring at the record because it's it's so nice to see it other places. <laughs> it's also because I'm so used to seeing it at my own house, just staring at it. But yeah, the 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 beautiful con- like contrast of, of of noise and melody was was everything to me because I just love the idea of those beautiful harmonies just drenched in terrible feedback. It's something that just really worked for my brain. So I kind of got into punk rock and you know like Dead Kennedys and Black Flag. So kind of you know teenage rebellious music. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't this band obviously wasn't a part of that world, but they 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 kind of were later on um, as far as their rebellious nature, known for their really short sets and violent crowd so it kind of had that punk spirit so it was also another band that was able to bridge my teenage punk rock love with you know getting into kind of 80s alternative music and so when your brother-in-law handed it to you like what made him hand it to you have you talked about it since we 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 yeah we're we're very close and we've done lots of musical excursions similar to yourselves here and he i think he gave it to me because i think it was maybe the maybe might have been the paula abdul tape i'm not sure he was like enough (laughs) of paula abdul Listen to this. And it wasn't a, from a pretentious point of view, because he's always been very cool about that. Like, hey, and so am I. You like what you like. Totally cool. Not knocking any music anybody likes. I love Paula Abdul still. I guess somewhat, maybe. But um, it was more like, hey, here's something that you haven't heard that maybe, you know, might might bend your ear properly and, and work for you. And he was really, really heavily into the Manchester scene at that time. And anyways, he handed me this record. I don't know why, but it turned out to be a life long you know affair with this band so to he's this day. a few years older than you are like he's yeah he's yeah. about six or seven years older so that's so the key cool. you need someone in your life key. it did it, it, it yeah. changed everything for me that band and it still like resonates with me like i still yeah i, I still wear all black all the time yeah. <laughs> when i think it's because mm-hmm. of that band yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, 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 it's kind of i love it my funny. favorite day is laundry day when i'm folding the laundry <laughs> and i'm like oh god i need to branch out i need more than this but 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 i guess as far as the record i mean so i was in some bands later on not really any to many people would know um but that was really the blueprint for writing music and approaching music and i just i always liked their attitude the very famous interview they did with new music many many years ago i just watched it this afternoon did you watch that one which is is great because they're interviewing them after this there's essentially a riot out front in the theater and they're in the back having this interview and they're just talking to Jim and William who are the obviously the two the brothers the brothers the main singers and, and songwriters of the band and they're just asking them how you know why do you think they're so good and they just big bravado from the band and then they talk to Douglas Hart who was the bassist at the time just saying you know we noticed he only got two strings on this guitar and he's, his answer was well that's the two I use you know it's, it's <laughs> out of waste money on the number two he says anymore, yeah. anymore you confuse a guy yeah. and I, I, just, I just love <laughs> that approach to music and I think that's what a lot of people gets a lot of people into music is something you connect with because I don't know how to play guitar and these guys don't know how to play guitar so maybe I can maybe I can play Look guitar. Look what I can yeah. do yeah totally mm-hmm. that's fun have you seen them before? Yeah so I saw them for the first time in 1994 when Mazzy Star was opening up Cool. and that was a pretty big experience for Where me. Where would that have been? That was at the warehouse. Oh cool. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's something you what your whole life for and it finally finally happened. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, never saw them again for a long, long time. Obviously, that tour in 98 was, what's the right word? I don't know, disintegration, let's say, of the band. Right. For lack of a better word. And then they obviously came back to Coachella in 2007. And then I saw them in Toronto for their first reunion show. Right. And so are they still buddies? Are they like buddies now? No. No way. Oh, the brothers are still they, You know, they always just, they continually say that like too much has happened already between right. the brothers and too much has been said for it to be right. ever repaired. But I do have one interesting tidbit. I make my kids do all sorts of ridiculous things that I'm interested in, as I think many, probably most parents do. I think that's do. the job as a parent, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I had the mime out just like, honey, I recreated the music video. <laughs> this is like four years ago. Uh-huh. It was on a March break and I just had nothing else to do. I was like, okay. so And, and the video looks a lot like the record cover. So we yeah. put the stuff on this white wall and uh, shot like a 10, 15 second clip. Anyways, I posted that. And then a few years later, it kind of recirculated. And the original drummer of this band, his name is Murray... Dalglish got a hold of this video and responded to me. No way. Which is unbelievable. So mm-hmm. it's it's a really minor thing in most people's sorry, uh, most people's eyes, but to me it was like maybe the biggest moment. That's amazing. <laughs> the high watermark of my life. Do you That's still like, have it? Do you have the like oh, the, the video? The video? Yeah, yeah. Do you Can mind we if we post it? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Can we post it on our feed? It's about three seconds. It's about ten seconds long. Oh, amazing. Oh, check that out on our Instagram feed at Reaction Brats Pod. We're going to put that up eventually. Mm-hmm. The first time I would have heard Jesus and Mary Chain was in the car, but it would have been like reverence. Reverence was like, so Honey's Dead, like I was 14. So I think Honey's Dead was probably just out then. And to hear reverence, I was like, what is this? It just had that perfect amount of angst for me, oh. you know? And oh, like, yeah. I'm like, they're talking about dying and they're talking about Jesus Christ. And like, I'm like, this is, it seems a bit naughty to be listening right, to this. Right. And I was all over it. And then from there, I kind of dug in and heard older stuff after that. That, that song, t- though, is, it is, I guess, yeah, naughty is the right word. It's, it's just, it's just that constant kind of minor sounding dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're what, and yeah, singing about I want to die like Jesus Christ at mm-hmm. JFK. It's like, oh, okay. I'm like, this sounds this could be okay. tempting. Let's, go, yeah, <laughs> let's see yeah. where this leads us. Wikipedia what, time. What time is it? Is is it is it Wikipedia time? When you just want the fact, oh! it's Wikipedia time. So much I need to know. It's Wikipedia time. I'm ready to learn. Yeah. 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 The Jesus and Mary Chain are a Scottish alternative rock band formed in East Kilbride in 83. The band revolves around the songwriting partnership of brothers Jim and William Reed. After signing to independent label Creation Records, they released their first single, Upside Down, in 84. Their debut album, Cycle Candy, was released to critical acclaim in 1985 on major label WEA. Today we're talking about Cycle Candy. It was released in November 85. The album is considered a landmark recording. Its combination of guitar feedback with traditional pop song structures proved influential on the forthcoming shoegazing genre and alternative rock in general. The band moved from its abrasive sound with the release of their second album, 87's Darklands. Do you like Darklands? What's your opinion on the rest of their albums? I absolutely love Darklands. It's controversial to release this perfect, horribly distorted record and then come out with something, essentially a clean pop record. But it it was them really just saying off to the critics because they love pop music and that's always what they wanted to be they wanted to be pop stars what's yep. your most favorite jesus and mary chain record is it psycho candy yeah such a hard question i know it Sorry. is it, it truly it, i think it i think it is but um 
But they all are so, they're all so very different and mm-hmm. just exactly as you outlined there. And it's always interesting when bands kind of turn things on their heads that they're totally. known for. Mm-hmm. Putting out this loud, noisy record and then going and doing something a bit more radio friendly and then doing something like Honey's Dead after, with an automatic, then Honey's Dead. And then putting out Stone Into Throne, which was kind of an mm-hmm. acoustic record, mm-hmm. which was not a sign of the times when it was Britpop. Right. The peak of Britpop, they put out like an acoustic kind of alt yeah. record. Yeah, we have Psycho Candy, Automatic, and Stoned and Dethroned are the three that we have on vinyl. And I I put on Stoned and Dethroned all the time. Yeah, that's yeah. like it's the my like go to yeah. Jesus and Mary Chain record. And I I probably put it on more than most of the records that we have. Like I'm just in the mood for it all the time. Yeah. I love it. I think it's a great record. I don't know what the critics or the fans like. Right, the consensus on it is. Yeah. I, again, when it came out, it was just a strange record in such a different time because mm-hmm. Blur and Oasis were just blowing up, and no one really had time for that band. I, they had their big hits sometimes, always, which was cool with Mazzy mm-hmm. Star. You know, it was '94. I mean, it was grunge and Britpop and anything and like Green Day anything but an alt country record from mm-hmm. the Jesus Mary Chain yeah. to be totally honest yeah, that's it's true cool. and I mean they had Shane McGowan singing on on that record which mm-hmm. is just not an A-list celebrity at the time to get on your record right. for back mm-hmm. then but I still love that record a lot mm-hmm. I remember that night at the Casbah you said what's your favorite Jesus and Mary Chain record and I think I was embarrassed to say stoned and dethroned but <laughs> I'm glad now that we've had the conversation right. and you're in agreement it's a good record because I was just like I don't I don't know if this is the cool answer but this is my answer I don't know good answer is jim reed was jim reed married to hope sandoval from no william william they were the guitar that's they the were other, dating the that's brother. right oh, they're not together dating. now they're Is not that, together now no. what a cute little couple they would yeah, have been for sure let's talk about the record let's talk about some songs well the opening track just like honey Love it. it I, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's our usual comment. Love it. And then I play a clip. So, I mean, that the opening drums are obviously from one of the most iconic pop songs ever, which is kind of the Phil Spector, Ronettes, Be My Baby. Yeah. yeah. And it was just such a perfect way to open that record and just kind of essentially giving their love to the things they loved that were nothing to do with the noise that was about to come. But everything was layered in that wall of sound, which Phil Spector obviously, as you, you, you guys both probably know, perfected in, yep. in the early 1960s with all those girl groups that I still hold dear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's everything. It's it's the the singing and, and the girl, the, the woman, sorry, that's singing on that song in the background, singing Just Like Honey, I think it was William's girlfriend at the time. Oh, cool. And it's just, it's perfect. It's slow, it's noisy. Mm-hmm. I and agree. It's melodic I love and beautiful. Just Like Honey. I love when an opening song sets the tone for the record, right? Like, yeah. you're like, you turn it on, you like, the needle hits the groove, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. in for a good record. And you for can sure. just tell with that that first song i love it the, some of the songs on there are, are really a pretty abrasive i think in a whole and the living end They're not as melodic, say, as as Just Like Honey and sure. Hardest Walk and things like that. Oh, 
they were just always contrarian. And these these brothers grew up in East Kilbride, which is essentially a modern suburb in, in outside of um, is it Gla- I think it's outside of Glasgow. Anyways, post World War II, it's like the suburban communities we know here, mm-hmm. where it's perfectly everything's nice and you know new homes and new businesses, and in this kind of like picturesque 1950s Leave It to Beaver type of world where they were, they really just kind of stuck out like sore thumbs, as you'd say. So they would have had like a middle upper class yep. upbringing. Well, it's different in the UK, right, with the classing, sure. but. I would say maybe middle to lower, but they they were in a in a, an idyllic yeah. like, sorry the, the kind of the idyllic modern era that the government was trying to create post World right. War Two. And how old are they? Like how much older are they than us? They're older. Yeah, they're like sixty like ten years two, older. I think they were no, born twenty years a older. More, yeah. Oh really? Like yeah. Early sixties. Yeah. Sixty two and sixty three. Oh, I think that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, something like that. It hurts, but yeah. And they um, go go ahead. Well, just what you were saying earlier about their upbringing. I know just from reading the Wikipedia, they both quit their jobs in like. 79 were on the dole until 83 and that's right their father was laid off at his job i think at a factory and just gave them 300 pounds to buy their Th- that's porta exactly studio. it yeah what 300 a, what a, pounds to buy their what like a porta studio like a oh, cool. home recording sort of i don't know four track probably i'm not quite sure what it is mm-hmm. i mean famously obviously bobby gillespie became the drummer of that band famously from primal scream and in the early days what they do is there was nowhere to rehearse in the in their kind of small house so what they would do is take their gear and and put it on like dollies and wheel it to the local rec center. So it would be like Tuesday nights bingo night, Wednesday night <laughs> Jesus and Mary Chain's rehearsing in the local rec center. It's just and were they called Jesus and Mary Chain right from the start? Yeah, they were. There was I think they fiddled with a couple of their names, mm-hmm. maybe the Daisy Chain, but they were so always so cool. There, is there a movie? There should be a movie. So there is a the documentary on Creation Records, which right. is great. We were just upside about down, which day, is yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there is a shoegaze documentary. It's called Beautiful Noise. Noise. And it kind of goes from, you know, that kind of prototype band Cocteau Twins to our friends we're talking about now and then how it got to like My Bloody Valentine and Ride mm-hmm. and all those Perfect. guys. Really, really cool. I personally love that you can hear the Motown influence so much in this record in particular. I personally love on this record, I love Taste of Cindy. And then I love Never Understand. So I love the last song on the first side and the first song on the second side, which again makes me just love them more because I love when a record is laid out like that. Like the best song is the last song and then I want to flip it over because the other best song is the first song on the next side, right? I love it. I just feel like that's not by accident. Shall we move on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Robin? Yes, David. What time is it? <laughs> when you prompt me like this. Okay, it's Wikipedia time. Say it on the bike, baby. It's Wikipedia time. When you just want the fan. Oh! 
The Stone Roses were an English rock band formed in Manchester in 1983, one of the pioneering groups of Madchester movement in the late 1980s and early 1990s. The band's classic and most prominent lineup consisted of vocalist Ian Brown, guitarist John Squire, bassist Manny, and drummer Rennie. The band released their debut album, The Stone Roses, in 1989. The album was a breakthrough success for the band and received critical acclaim, many regarding it as one of the greatest British albums ever recorded. The Stone Roses is the debut album by English rock band The Stone Roses. It was recorded mostly at Battery Studios in London with producer John Leckie from June 1988 to February 1989 and released in May of that year by Silvertone Records. The Stone Roses was not an immediate success, but grew popular with the band's high-profile concert performances, which also helped establish them as fixtures of the Madchester and baggy cultural scenes. The record's critical standing also improved significantly in later years, as many critics voted it highly in polls of the greatest albums. It was voted number 11 in the third edition of blah, 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 blah. We don't need to read this, right? <laughs> it has sold over 4 million copies worldwide. 4 million, wow. That's a lot. That's impressive. It's amazing to me how much better you are at reading Wikipedia than I am. <laughs> it's crazy. I've always been really good at reading aloud. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the dulcet tones of Robin Werbowski Nickel. Uh, yeah, guys, Stone Roses. It's a big one. It's a huge one, yeah. I'm not sure where to start here, but to me, this record, I've memorized every nuance of every line of every song. Where did you first hear this? Like, how old were you when you know, this came You know, I don't remember life? when I first heard it, probably 12 13 is when I heard it for the first time, but before I fell in love with it, it was constantly name-checked by all the Britpop bands that I really enjoyed and loved. And, you know, I'm an abashed Oasis fan, and it was a constant reference point from them as well. Mm-hmm. And famously, they had John Squire come up on stage with them at one of their massive, massive gigs. So always hearing about them kind of through the bands, name-checking them, and then having people feed me records like we spoke of earlier. But then finally sitting down with that record and going through it, it's perfect. It's a 10 out of, it's an 11 out of 10. Agreed I, fully. I can remember the first time I heard the Stone Roses would have been I Want to Be Adored and I just remember being like what is this like summer of 92 was a really big summer for me musically like I just heard songs but songs that made me want to obsessively dig in and see what else was out there but I Want to Be Adored is great. In the Resurrection, which is the last song on the album, is huge. It's like an eight and a half minute song. And that has been the ending song to like 95% of the mixtapes I've made in my entire life. Backside of that album, that's from what the other side of Midnight, that was the Tony Wilson show in Manchester where they got that picture. Didn't Tony Wilson famously pass on signing them to Factory? Yeah, there's a story there. So yeah, so uh, yeah, you know, you, well, you know the story pretty well then on yeah. Factory. Did he pass on them? I seem to remember reading uh, interviews or hearing Tony Wilson ruin the day that he didn't sign the Stone Roses. I, I'm sure he had an opportunity to, to yeah. do that. So in, as you guys kind of know, in the 80s and maybe even 90s, bands had a chance to kind of make it. Like you, you were able to kind of tour, do things. And if you didn't succeed at first, you could keep going. Yeah. 
rather than like the short span. If you don't do it in a year, it's, it's over. Yeah. So they started out kind of in this weird like scooter boy mod culture in the early 80s and then kind of transformed into like a, a gothic kind of ba- John Squire looked like a kind of a gothic guy mm-hmm. in the oh, mid really? 80s. Oh yeah. And then they finally kind of connected with Silvertone Records and, and Zomba. Zomba was the, the bigger labels. Silvertone was the subsidiary of, of Zomba. Anyways, and they recorded Elephant Stone um, with Peter Hook, mm-hmm. which is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful awesome. track. And then he had to go off and I think do Technique with New Order, if we have New Order fans here in 88. Okay, oh, yeah. yep. I think so. He had to go off and do that, so he couldn't produce the album. So they brought in John Lecky and made the absolute magic that that record is, because the production is everything on that record. Mm-hmm. And if you've heard Ian Brown sing live, which is not exactly something to write home about, so let's just say. Oh, yeah. I've never seen them live. I saw them at Coachella. That's the one time I've I've been. When the Stone Roses reunited in 2012, you know they did their big enemy press conference and something that I've been waiting for, like most people, for forever. We had one kid at the time. So like, no matter what happens, I'm getting tickets to the show they announce. And so they announced the shows in Manchester, their hometown, June 29th of 2012. And we, you know, I stayed up all night to get the tickets. They were on sale like four in the morning. We had, Wait, you were buying tickets for the Manchester for the show? Manchester Holy show? Shit. It was okay. an absolute like uh-huh. I have to go to this. Yeah, that's how important that one is. It yeah. was like it's a, I, I have to go to this Mm -hmm. and so my brother-in-law again the guy i spoke of earlier and another friend of ours we were up in the middle of the night just obviously the time change and all you know on the computers trying to get tickets and we finally secured for a ridiculous amount but it's totally worth it and then we ended up going to manchester for the show Fun. it was my first time going to see an english music festival there was so it was seventy five thousand people friday night saturday night sunday night each night the stone roses were headlining oh, we saw the night cool. with primal scream opening which was kind of part of our plan it was nice. the first night they were playing their hometown like the first show back since you know whatever 95 or whatever it was i just remember being like wow this is this is what i remember like like kind of seeing on TV just these massive crowds and we're trying to get beer and it was just overrun. So what happened was everyone essentially said, F it, we're not waiting for beer and just all ran over and just took the beer. Like oh it was, a, as a polite Canadian <laughs> yeah, you're like, human. I don't know, guys. Yeah, I mean, should we do this? Should we do this, eh? I don't and know. they're just charging and everyone's just <laughs> grabbing, like it was like, it was like Lord of the Fly. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was great. I've never mm-hmm. seen anything like and that. With, with their following, it's a bit of a lad culture. So there's yeah. a bit of that like kind of hooligan, sure. you know, stereotype. And there's a few brutish looking fellows that mm-hmm. are just, yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was, I, that's the first time I remember so kind of being like, did you end up getting beer? We, did we, you get the we, free beer? We got our beer, but I just, <laughs> I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I know oh, I paid for mine. Yeah, you're like, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah, leave yeah. these pounds for But I remember here. that feeling of, oh shit, we're, everyone's just going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is not what I'm used to. We stayed there for about three days, kind of two days before the show. And the city was essentially shut down and it was just the stone roses are back. It was it was so amazing to see as someone living here that they're not that big, of, especially yeah. now, they were not that big of a deal now. And going there and every pub we walked into, like I swear to God, the stone roses were on. Every vendor, every shop, it was unbelievable. Amazing. It was so neat to see. It was mm-hmm. just like, oh my God, it's this is where like, we belong. This is where I should yeah, be right now. Yeah. That's a good way to get into this, into this right. record. Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect. Oh, it's a perfect record. It's it is really a perfect record. Like, I know the I said songs that. are perfect. <laughs> every song is perfect. Well, I say every song. Wait a second, uh, Robin. Are we gonna have a problem here? <laughs> don't stop. I, I have to skip. Don't stop. I can't do a backward song. Is I that just right? can't do it. Yeah. 
So you've never listened to it all the way through? I've listened to it all the way through, but I prefer not to. Okay, fair fair enough. (laughs) I love Waterfall. Yeah. Love Waterfall. me waterfall backwards it's just it's really uplifting the record Mm -hmm. like it's not moody it's it it feels like kind of a hopeful record yep um and why so much i think of the of the brit pop world later on used it you know as as a blueprint again after the whole grunge thing exploded it wasn't cool to be british and you know blur and suede were like well actually there's some good stuff we can do here and it's such reference points to the stone roses well and all their like their haircuts even right like they look like oasis and blur look like stone roses right like it's and uh, you know they will cute totally Mm -hmm. oh and they will say that all the time that's who Mm -hmm. they looked at right and they wanted to be the stone roses what other songs? Like, what What are the standout tracks for so, you? So that song, She Bangs the Drums, is another song that I put on so many mixtapes. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it just feels so positive and optimistic. For me, She Bangs the Drums is my number one. I love it. I yeah. love it. The backing vocals, like, I can't help but sing the harmonies every time, like, I'm singing along in the car. It's so good. I feel like the backing vocals yeah. make that song for sure. And that's Rennie doing the backing vocals. And he's he's one of the great drummers that, you know, not too many people talk yeah. about. But he's a pretty unbelievable drummer. They uh, When they re- reunited, they played they played Madison Square Garden. They did. Did, I did they? That's the only North American show they did. Okay. I'm wow. pretty sure. From all over, yeah. So we, we booked that Manchester show the moment, just kind of thinking they would implode again, which is what happened the first time around. But they did end up making it to yeah, Coachella and uh, Madison Square Garden. But it was really nice to see them in their in their hometown. Yeah, that's awesome. That is cool that they can cross the pond and play Madison Square there Garden. There still that's is really that cool. base of people that mm-hmm. just have them in the utmost highest respect. Yeah, yeah. That's really did cool. you see them at Coachella? Yeah. Were they good? Did you like it? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people that year that they were announced for Coachella, there was a lot of Americans like, who? Yeah, that's Why? exactly right. what it was. I remember Who's that. headlining? Yeah. You know what's it's tragic about this record is that well the tragedy is that how they kind of got locked in a legal battle and they weren't able to do the next record really quickly after yeah. this because it would have been such a great record if they had that chance but being locked in that battle with uh, Silvertone Records because they signed a, like an eight nine some crazy amount of year deal when they first signed with this Silvertone label because they were so excited to get a proper label and but then they were treated kind of like garbage weren't getting enough money so they were locked out of being able to record for a couple of years yeah. so all that momentum all, just all stopped. the momentum and yeah. then everything kind of shifted all like think 89 and then all of a sudden grunge is here mm-hmm. then then like brit pops coming up and like they finally come back in 94 and things have changed so much <laughs> funny in five years how much the musical landscape yeah. had changed and they came back and you know that the record's actually pretty decent the second record but it's just not what it's not this it's well, not do you think that that record would have like say that record second coming came out in 92 let's say do you think it would have done better no. No, I no? It just I well, and it wouldn't have sounded like that, right? Well, I'm, I'm assuming I'm not, that those not, songs were old, maybe perhaps old. They were just locked in the legal battle. Maybe they had those songs written. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a tough, tough one to say. It was just, it was essentially a Led Zeppelin record that yeah. they put out. Which, again, I like it. I don't, I don't hate it. I've grown to like it. Yeah, and I too. remember the day it came out. Like I, I bought it. I think everyone in the world was expecting part two, but I wasn't ready for a different record from that because yeah. yeah. like, you waited what? so long for <laughs> what was going to be next, and it was like ah. 
cool. Led, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I do love 10 Story Love Song. Oh, Fucking love that great, too. Great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the Stone Roses. I think we covered it. Let's move on to our next record. Oh. <laughs> I meant. Ah! Um, Tom. Yes. Do you know what time it is? Is it Wikipedia time? Yeah. <laughs> when you just want the fans. The Strokes are an American rock band from Manhattan, New York. Formed in 1998, the band is composed of singer Julian Casablancas, guitarist Nick Valencia, and Albert Hammond Jr., bassist Nikolai Fratcher? Sure. <laughs> Nikolai Fratcher and drummer Fabrizio Moretti. They are one of the most prominent bands of the garage rock and post-punk revivals, aiding in the resurgence of indie rock in New York City. And the album that we're covering today with Tom is Is This It? Go ahead, Robin. Is This It? is the debut album by American rock band The Strokes, first released on July 30th, 2001 through RCA Records. For the debut, the band strived to capture a simple sound that was not significantly enhanced in the studio. Building on their 2001 EP, The Modern Age, the band members molded compositions largely through live takes during recording sessions, while songwriter and lead singer Julian Casablancas continued to detail the lives and relationships of urban youth. Yeah, it's crazy that this record's almost 20 years old, which blows my mind. That is nuts. I, I was just nuts. thinking that as we yeah. were talking about it. 2001. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. How old are we? I remember, like, they were a buzz band that you heard about a lot before this record came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I remember, this would have been after the album was out, but uh, my old band, Chore, we were playing, I believe it was at Zaphod's in Ottawa, and uh, we're just bitter, already jaded. No one likes our band. <laughs> so <laughs> hearing about any buzz band, there was automatically jealousy. Like, not that Chore was ever going to be on a level of the strokes, but just like, I remember at the time, for me personally, just like, anytime I heard of a band getting attention or any sort of buzz, I was immediately just like, that band yeah because no one liked ours but i remember being in zaphod's and we're all sitting there smoking cigarettes or whatever we were doing just being pissed off and uh the video for last night came on the television they must have had it on much music and we're all just like oh this strokes band let's check out this crap we're all just watching it and eventually we're just kind of like yeah this is uh yeah this is all right actually and then at the end of the video just begrudgingly being like okay yeah good song (laughs) and then after that I know f- specifically Chris Bell, myself, and Mitch Bowden actually really got into this album. Yeah, that's my Strokes memory from that time. How yeah. about you guys? I, I remember getting the Modern Age EP and hearing it for the first time very clearly and like loving it immediately. Just like, this is really cool. This is really, really cool. So was that an independent release? How, like, how did you get your hands on that? Do you know? Like- I think it, it was an import from, I think, so I think the CD bar was still around. It was the place beside HMV at Young and Dundas. Oh, wow. And that was an amazing place to get import CDs because they were releasing their stuff in the UK first because it just wasn't working so much in the US. So they went to the UK and I think it was independent, but then I think Rough Trade picked it up. Okay. I believe I anyways got got our hands on that that EP and loved it immediately. You know what else? Just going back to Tom, you saying you first heard the EP and you bought it beside the, the CD bar. At the time, I was working at the HMV at Young and Dundas. I was working at the like the superstore. Was that I right? I feel like maybe like our crowds had passed then as well. Oh, totally. Mm, yeah, I was working super cash. <laughs> Your crowds or our paths have crossed. But I'm sure our crowds had. Passed. <laughs> Your crowds have passed. All right, that's why there's edit buttons, which is mostly me. <laughs> Probably that one. But I, I bet you that's our, true. I feel like our, our... Pass. Do it, do it. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. 
<laughs> Our paths have crossed maybe at that time. There you go. I like I prefer the first take. I'm sure yeah. we're gonna keep the first take in. Uh, but yeah, I worked at that young and dumb mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. For probably I think I worked there from two thousand until like oh two maybe. Okay. And what were you doing? Super cash. I was working super cash. Yeah. I was just like checking out all the people's CDs. I loved that job i loved it that was the dream job as a, as a younger person to work at a, a it, record store i was a little bit of a celebrity yeah. to like work at the young and dundas hmv like everyone was like how do you get a job right. here and like i would be out and they were like you're from you work at hmv like people would recognize me from working there right off the bat the first song is this it it's great that's a tasty baseline super tasty baseline like i said the other day we were in the car and i was like you know i never i don't know that it said i never pay attention to baselines or if baselines never grab my attention but in is this it it totally does like it's all i hear in the song it's it's very tasty it's a tasty lick (laughs) what what's interesting too is when they put that ep out like the modern age and barely legal are actually different takes on those two songs and i much prefer the first iteration of the song the modern age from the ep because it's much quicker and faster yeah it's just a bit more loose and kind of feels a bit more raw and i don't know rock and roll and they're so handsome too well that helps they are sons of guns i mean i mean they're it's, in looking at the record you have there, it's so funny because when you think about the original release of the the glove, yeah. Like, the bum, the, yeah, the, the, bum the record, it's like the Spinal Tap record. Yeah, <laughs> Almost, totally. like, it's so yeah. funny that that was banned. Yeah, like it's wow, where our world has gone from then. And I mean, a part of the the mystique, if there is one around the record, is how it was released right around September 11, two thousand and one. So when they came to Toronto at the Horseshoe in October, they were like, well, obviously, because, you know, the New York City cops wasn't on, mm-hmm. there was a replacement song when it started. So when they came to Toronto, they're like, oh, and I'm sure on the other dates, we got this song about the cops that we, you know, aren't allowed to sing right now. And it was really controversial at the time yeah. that they literally changed the record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for the listener at home, if you're not familiar, there was a song on the original track listing for the album called New York City Cops. Here's a clip. I've got to let go. Oh, I got to let go And now as they ran slow I said every night She just kissed out saying New York City Cops New York City Cops New York City Cops Ain't you smart Once September 11th happened, out of respect, they decided to leave that off the record and it was replaced with uh, the CD version. US CD version has When It Started in place of New York City Cops. Here's a clip. Which is unfortunate because New York City Cops is great. It's awesome. It's like great song. Up there mm-hmm. with the best songs on the album. Yep, agreed. Um, yeah, so just going down the the, the 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 track list here, 
Someday is a great song. Yeah, it's great. And famously, the video's great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, guided by Voices is in the video. What's the video? S- Slash, I think, it's is in it too, isn't he? Slash, and I think Duff McKagan. Oh, from yeah, Guns yeah, and Roses. yeah, yeah. It's just the Strokes hanging out in At a, a bar. bar. Can <laughs> we see pinball. it? I want to see it. Yeah, can, I don't, I'm sure yeah. I've seen I, it. I'm working so I won't have to try so the last song, Take It or Leave It, is great. Like mm-hmm. th- This album is, I hate to use a term that some 41 used at one point, but all killer, no filler. Some <laughs> <laughs> 41 reference out of nowhere. Yeah, beautiful record. Is this it? Love it. I still love it. And yeah, hearing it again, again, the last few days has been so nice to listen yeah, to it. Yeah, I agree. I love it too. I've, I loved it then. And I, I'd say I've probably taken a, like at least a 10 year hiatus from yeah. it. And so when you said, is this it? We were like, yeah, sure. Let's talk. That's a great record. But then like actually going back this week and listening to it, I'm like, holy shit, it really is a really great record. Like it still stands. It's great. It's kind of the thing that like you hear last night so often now. It's just Mm -hmm. like grocery store music. Just the fact that it's so popular and it's everywhere. But, and then you actually sit down and listen to the record. You're like, okay, well, there's some really great songs on this thing. It's not just that. But you lose sight of that sometimes. Oh, it's the strokes, whatever. It's also too, the production of having that sort of foresight, the production of that record it sounds timeless it sounds like it could have come out in 1980 right yeah it sounds like it could have come out a week ago yeah i would say that it's now on my regular rotation of records that i would put on it's that, back. like i wouldn't have had we not done this podcast so Absolutely. thanks for that well i think we're about ready to wrap it up here tom you have a radio show don't you i do it's not really airing right now but we're uh pure phase radio we're on uh 101.5 which is the mohawk college station here in hamilton here in hamilton yeah. and it's monday nights but we're a little bit not doing it right now so we'll be back sometime soon but when it is back it streams right like people could find that on the yeah internet. he's working away at it right now it's um uh bry webb from Constantine just now yeah. running running the show over there. So, ah, cool. oh, running the show at Mohawk. Yeah, he's doing oh, really? the he's doing the radio program over there oh. and running the station there. I I did not know that. Yeah, that's great. He just started, I think, eight months ago or so. Wow, cool. Good to know. Yeah, if you want to get in contact with us, you can uh, find us on Instagram. It's at Reaction Bratz Pod. And if you're old fashioned and would like to send <laughs> us an email, the email address is reactionbratzpod at gmail.com. Thank you, Tom, for coming. This was great. I think we did a good job for having our first guest on. Thank you I for think having this me. Good. Yeah, it was awesome. I love talking about these records and any records, really. Well, hey, dude, by all means, come back. For sure. Well, Anytime. Why don't you pick a song for us to go out on from any of these records? Well, we're going to have to do I Am the Resurrection by the Stone Roses, which yeah. is how we ended every mixtape. All right. Love here's it. all here's all nine minutes of I Am the Resurrection. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Later, dudes. Bye. Bye.